Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Hey, I just want to say a couple things before we get into our uh, message today. Uh, firstly, we have our Next Steps lunch. If you're new to the church or never have seen this video right after the service from 1130 to 1230, just a 27-minute video, free childcare, free uh, lunch as well, and then you're going to watch a really great video. And then my wife and I come in and hang out with you for a couple minutes. So if you have not seen that video, if you're part of the church and say, man, I haven't seen it, uh, we encourage you, even if you've been through a Rhythms or been through one of our classes in the past, just to attend that. Or if you're brand new and you say, I want to know more about the church, go ahead and attend that. Also, we have these cards for you to hand out to people. Uh, uh, Vince sent me a message the other day of an ATM, and there was a bunch of our invite cards. And just, oh, just one. Okay, well, he <laughs> could have let me embellish it a little bit, though, right? Because I didn't know that. Now it's a lie if I try to embellish it, so... Thanks for your accountability there. But you can hand these out to people, invite them to the gift. I have no doubt that they will be blessed by what we're talking about uh, for the next uh, few weeks. So hand these out. And then uh, secondly, we have our Christmas Eve service. It's going to be so much fun, an amazing service. Also, right after the service, we're going to have cinnamon buns, and your kiddos can take some pictures with some dressed-up folks, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So bring your friends, bring your family, bring your neighbors. It's going to be fun. One-hour service, I promise you that. Maybe I'd even finish early. Come on, let's just say hallelujah to that. We're going to put up some slides here. First slide for me, Joel. I want to just show you a few numbers here. We had the opportunity uh, this month in December to give away $8,500 uh, as a church. Every dollar that you give, uh, we take 10% of that and we give it away. And so in two years, we've given away $29,000. And these are some of the things we've been able to do this month. We were able to give to, a, I don't remember how to spell her name, so forgive me if Courtney's like, that's not how you do it. Leah is a missionary in Belize. We met her and just instantly connected to her. So we sent her 1000 bucks just to bless her on Christmas. She's been serving there for 20 years. So we thought, we just want to bless her socks off. Uh, there's a pastor, Josiah Guernsey, Calgary Community of Faith Church, and Pastor Dave Freeman, Jubilee Christian Center, close friends of mine who I just felt the Holy Spirit say, you know what, you need to uh, send them some money. So we're going to send it to the church and designate it for them, just for their family. they got got new kids, and uh, Dave's got four children, and we just wanted to bless their lives. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, we also were able to give $1,500 to the Salvation Army. Uh, I heard a rumor they were in need of some more toys for kids in the area, so we just gave them 1500 bucks to bless families and toys and provide for the needs of the city and the next year we were able to give $1,500 uh, to um, I won't know until you do uh, boys and girls club uh, the boys and girls club which we have a direct partnership with we wanted to bless the foster care parents and families of the city and so this money is going to go towards foster parents who are fostering or adopting children to help them buy Christmas gifts for their kids and lastly we were able to give $2,500 to an organization called World Compassion it's been in Cal uh, Canada for 30 years and they help women in Iraq get to safe houses for women and children who are being eradicated from ISIS. Uh, in China, we're partnering with the underground church, the underground church. The reason they don't have churches like this in China is because if they do, they'll be murdered and persecuted. So they got to go underground. And so they have meats and homes and things like that. In Iran, we're smuggling Bibles across the borders. And it's a pretty cool story. They're actually using uh, people who are smuggling drugs. They, they go one way with the drugs and they have nothing to come back with. So they throw Bibles in the bags that they just smuggled drugs with and bring Bibles back into Iran. Praise the Lord. And then Myanmar, uh, we're raising up children and churches and blessing them so come on you did that that wasn't Ryan that wasn't Stephanie that we're a part of that with what we give but you gave $29,000 across the world 8,500 bucks this month just to those things so 
I want to say thank you for your generosity. And I want to encourage you just to consider to ask the Lord, what does he want you to give? It's not about me. It's not about my wife. It's about the Holy Spirit. So let, obey the Holy Spirit. Whatever he tells you to do is up between you and the Lord. But we love you guys, and we just want to say thank you for uh, making this fun and being able to help a bunch of people. Amen? amen. Come on, amen? Amen. amen? amen. Well, I'm going to see if it's working now, Joel. Oh, come on, Jesus. <laughs> Speak to me, Lord. Oh, wow, you're smart, Joel. It does work. Well, we're going to get into our series again today. Oh, man, that's so fantastic. I know. I'm happy. I'm excited. Woohoo! <laughs> But this week, Bassie and I were praying on Wednesdays. We pray every Wednesday for an hour together. We just pray for the church and pray for God to do great things. And she spoke a prophetic word and said, Ron, I feel like God's given you words that's going to help people get unstuck in their walk with God. Just to, just to get down to the soil of where people's lives are in their walk with God and their journey towards spirituality, journey towards God, and just get them unstuck from the position that they're in. So Christmas uh, series can often be about, you know, joy and peace and all those things. And obviously those are the highlight of what we want. But I've really felt like God wanted me to take us a little bit deeper today. And I have a few different analogies to try to help you understand what I feel the Lord put on my heart. But just imagine I had a Windex bottle in my hand a few moments ago and I forgot to bring it in here. But just imagine this morning that I'm, I'm there's this, this, this window or, or the, these glasses that are all foggy and, you know, like, Sometimes with my glasses, like right now, they got smudges on them, and I have to take a little cloth, and I got to wipe them off. And today is about me taking this little cloth and just kind of spraying some Windex on the window of your heart and just beginning to, to wipe away some of the fog and wipe away some of the smudges and wipe away some of the misunderstandings and wipe away some of these things that maybe be blocking your grid of who you really are in God. It might be blocking your understanding of what God intended for your life. I, uh, blocking maybe you've been on a journey with God and you, you, you're a Christian and you've accepted him into your life, but you just can't seem to get past some of the things you've been dealing with in your life. And today is, I'm going to teach you a, a, a theological truth, a doctrinal truth in a way that I hope will, you'll understand that will, I believe, set you free in your walk with God. It will transform how you live your life if you can understand this concept today. So I want to pray a prayer, and then we're going to get into it today. We're going to read in Luke chapter 1. Would you close your eyes? Lord, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do what you do best, Father, when you reveal the word to us, God. The Bible is just a book, and God, sometimes I have to admit, it's a little boring. And sometimes when I read it, God, I don't understand it. And sometimes when I sit in sermons, God, the guy's talking and all I see is his mouth moving, but I don't hear, understand a word he's saying. Holy Spirit, you are the one who reveals truth through your word. You are the one who shows us what we need to see. You are the one who makes clear to us, God, what your truths of the scripture are. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come today. And even if I say it through my carnal life, just who I am and how I try to articulate it, maybe I won't do it perfect today. Lord, I pray that you would be faithful to speak to people's hearts and get some folks unstuck. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Come on, we're going to read a Christmas story here, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, 
God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David, and Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? For I am a virgin. And this angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And when, what's, what's more, your relative Elizabeth was become pregnant in her old age, and people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son, and she is now in her sixth month. For anyone in the room who's experienced barrenness in their life, I want you to see today that God can do a miracle in your womb. Someone say, hallelujah! Come on, God could do a miracle in your womb and in the name of Jesus, if there's people in the room that are trying to get pregnant that can't, Father, I pray that you would do a miracle right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 37, for the word of God will never fail. Look at this. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. That servant word servant means slave. I am the Lord's slave. May everything you've said about me come true. And the angel left her. So many of you probably have been spent years in church hearing about who Mary is. But for those in the room who maybe have never understood really who this Mary character is, let me just give you a few things to help you understand the context. Uh, theologians believe she was between the age of 13 and 16 years old, most likely about 14. And the moment a girl in Eastern culture reaches uh, past the pub pubescent season of her, uh, when her body begins to change, instantly she becomes an eligible bachelorette for a 20 to 30 year old man. And so generally it goes from uh, her being in her father's home to about the age of 13, 14 years old. Now we wait to like 35, <laughs> but then it was like 14 and 14 years old. And then they hand the, uh, the, the reins of authority from the father to this husband. And so now he is the head of this household. And so there's this, this baton passing where this woman really in that day in that culture didn't really have a lot of rights she didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of authority she she was just this you know young 14 year old girl who lived in her mom and dad's house I mean only lived 14 years guys I mean you ever talked to a 14 or 15 year old and they you know they kind of think they know everything there's only 14 and 15 year olds I'm just sorry I'm kidding but it's true you think you know everything 14 and 15 they think they know everything and then they get to like 30 and they realize well I know nothing you know like 13 14 years old she hasn't really had any experiences in life she's obviously the scripture says she's a which is like probably she she's this young girl who lives in literally this tiny town in Nazareth which is like probably I mean I think the population had to have been two to five hundred people I mean it was just a really really small place this girl was basically on the map on the radar of, of life, she was completely just a speck on the radar of existence. And all the population of mankind between those who were, you know, born into royalty and born rich and born into the big cities and born to these other places, she was just kind of really nothing. She was insignificant. She was slightly unworthy. She was just a girl, 13-year-old girl. The only really significant thing about Mary was that her and Joseph were of the seed line of David. 
But other than that one simple thing, Mary was just a regular girl, regular person, regular human, just like you and me. In fact, in verse 47, she identifies that she needs God. By, she sings a song and says, I need you, God, my Savior. If you're perfect, you don't need a Savior. Mary had a sinful nature. Mary was a sinner just like you and me. Mary was not anything special. Yes, was she chosen by God? Sure. Yes, was she, was she uh, gifted with the, the birth of Christ? Absolutely. But you need to understand something today before we can continue any further. Mary was nothing different than you and I. She wasn't more special than you and I. She wasn't more holy than you and I. She wasn't this special woman that is different between you and her. Or she wasn't level one holy and you're level 10 holy. There's nothing about Mary that makes her different than you. The same people, the same human, the same person, she is just like us. It's important we understand that because obviously there's a teaching, obviously, in, in predominantly in the, in, would be from the Catholic Church that Mary was a holy spiritual woman that was above the rest. And the truth is there's nothing in Scripture that indicates that Mary was anything other than just a regular 14-year-old girl that God came to and blessed her. The point is this, is that she did nothing to deserve this. She did nothing to deserve this gift of Jesus. She did nothing in her life out of the ordinary. There was nothing that was so holy about her. She literally did not deserve the gift that God wanted to give her. It was undeserved. It was unmerited. There was nothing about her that made her worth it. It was just the favor of God. Look at this verse in, in Luke one twenty-eight. Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. He called her highly favored. That word highly favored is a very simple word. It just means much grace, to pursue with grace, to honor with blessings, to give unmerited favor. So the angel of the Lord comes to Mary and says, I'm going to give you much grace. I'm going to pour out unmerited favor on your life. I'm going to come and I'm going to bless you. Not because you deserve it. Not because you did anything to get it. Not because you went to church every Sunday. Not because this year you gave 10.7.77% of your tithe. Not because you gave to Salvation Army. Not because you were good. Not because you did this. Not because you did that. Not because you respected your parents. Not because you were a good person. Not because you hadn't had sex yet. Not because of any of those things only because you're highly favored. I'm with you. I love you. I want to bless you. I want to gift your life, give you much grace. You are highly favored of God. God, this angel came to her and said, I want to give you this gift. Look what it says in verse 30. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. That word found literally means to come upon by something that I didn't plan for. It means to hit up or upon without previously searching for it. It means by chance. It just happened to fall into it. I just happened to stumble upon it. it just, I just made this random discovery that Mary stumbled upon this favor. Mary stumbled upon this grace. She stumbled upon it. It found her. You understand something today that is one of the most revealing, thrilling, 
incredible truths in the scripture that I believe many followers of God today do not fully understand. That Jesus came to you. He found you in your sin, in your mistake, in your shortcoming, in your pain, in your loss, in your fear, in your backsliding, in your distance, in all the things, in all your problems, in all your idiosyncrasies. He came in that moment in your life. He found you and he said, hey, you are highly favored of God. I am with you. I'm going to put my grace on you. I'm going to give you unmerited favor. I'm going to put my love on you and my grace on you and forgive you and redeem you. He didn't do anything to deserve it. It wasn't because one day you started reading your Bible more or you finally got the version app to go every single day. You clicked off one of those boxes. It wasn't because of anything that you did. Only because I love you. That word uh, favor is only used one other time in the New Testament. It's in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us our sins. So he gave us a glorious grace. Why did? He, what is that glorious grace? Well, he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son so that God could forgive our sins. But look at this next verse. Even before God made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Let's just stop for a minute and let's look at your life and ask yourself this question. Are you without fault in God's eyes? I woke up today and before I even got out of bed, I knew that I wasn't without fault. <laughs> before I got out of bed, I had a bad attitude because I'm a grump pants in the morning. My kids call me the Hulk. Dad, we want Bruce Brenner back. <laughs> That's what my son says. I say, then feed me! Before the foundations of time, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Do you see that? This is something, this concept, this spiritual, biblical truth, this, this theological concept is the difference maker for people who are followers of God that are stuck and those who are people who are followers of God and are unstuck. Knowing that in the eyes of God, as a follower of Jesus, he actually sees you as faultless in his eyes. He looks at you and sees complete holiness. I bet your mind's turning right now thinking, how is that possible? If he spent one second with me, he would know that that's not the case. When you accept Jesus Christ into your life, when you make a decision to be, uh, have God into your heart, Christ into your heart, immediately there is a transaction that happens. And now when God looks at you, he sees you through the eyes of a righteous sacrifice, Jesus Christ. He now sees you as perfectly holy and flawless in his eyes. The reason this is so important, because many of us don't live our lives like God sees us that way. Look at this scripture in Romans, or Romans 5. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. 
all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into the marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. He transferred God's righteousness through the death of Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ. He took God's holy righteousness and he put it on top of us. So now, when you and I are in Christ, when God looks at you, he does not see the mistake that you made yesterday, today, or forever. This concept changes how you see yourself. It changes how you approach God. It changes how you talk to God. It changes how you live your life. It actually takes you from a religion to an actual relationship, knowing that I can actually come into the presence of my Father or a mighty, holy God and have permanent access to be before the living God and I don't feel shame or guilt or condemnation because when God looks at me, he sees his pure, holy, righteous son and daughter. How many people tell me, Ryan, I, I'm not going to come to church anymore. I say, well, why? I just can't be in that room. I feel so much guilt. Well, you don't understand your position in Christ. Right. See, prior to, to Jesus coming to earth, when Jesus was born on the earth, the, it was like a key. It like opened up a door, unlocked this new reality of relationship with God that had not been possible for thousands of years. Prior to Christ being coming to the earth, the Eastern culture, the whole culture in that, in, that, in that world at that time was based on generations upon generations of people accessing God through a temple and through sacrifices. And so there was this process, and I won't go through it all, and one day I'll do a series maybe on the temple because it's fascinating, but they would have to take incense and they'd sprinkle blood of the lamb on the, on the doorpost and they would go into the inner holy of holies and the theologians believed that there was a, a, a rope wrapped around the, the high priest's leg with bells on it and he would go behind the holy of holies into the place where the manifest presence of God was the only spot where you could find the actual manifest presence of God on the entire planet and he would walk behind this big big top 90, 90 tall curtain and he would come to the holy of holies and they would have a bell so if he had sin in his life or he hadn't taken care of certain things he would die in the presence of God and they would yank him out of the, of the holy of holies that's how holy God's presence was. You had to be chosen by straws to walk into this place and do it exactly the perfect way, the way that God instituted it needed to be done to show us that righteousness of God is fast and large and that if you want to have a relationship with God, complete, total sacrifice to everything that God's asking you to do is required. See, that was in the minds of the people before Jesus came to earth, they saw God as a holy God and they were a sinful people and they had to go through all of these steps to make sure they were, were right with God. See, that religious do-goodism, it's crazy because that religious do-goodism died when Jesus Christ died on the cross, yet many of us still live that way today. We have in our minds this idea that once I become a follower of Jesus, I have to start doing these things and acting this way because I want God to love me. I don't do those things because I want God to love me. I do those things because he does love me. 
I go to church every Sunday because I want to be around believers because I know that it honors God's heart. It's what a spiritual discipline to go to church on Sunday. And I don't do it because I make you happy. I come to church on Sunday because I want to worship God because I know it makes him happy because I am so in love with the God who saved my life. There's a difference. Religion, relationship. Many Christians today are living in this religion of do-goodism where you go to church and you read your Bible once every few months and you give your money and at the end of the year this happens throughout all of Calgary. All these businesses are focused on income and profits all year long and then Christmas comes and in order to appease our guilt we give money away. And it's a good thing. Give that money away. But we only give it because deep inside of us there's this sense of guilt. There's this sense in us that there's this, this shame. There's this condemnation in us that says, you just aren't good enough. You just made way too many mistakes. Like, there's no way that God's grace and blood and his sacrifice will cover that. You're just not a good enough mom. You're just not a good enough dad. You're just not a good enough Christian. You know what? Maybe you haven't prayed in a long time, have you? Oh, you haven't read your Bible, have you? Oh, you haven't gone, oh, gone to church. Oh, you haven't been to that small group. Oh, you haven't. Oh, you're just not quite good enough. That is called condemnation. And the scripture teaches us where this comes from. In Romans 5, 12, when Adam's sin, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. What is that death? Well, Genesis tells us exactly what that death is. That at the, after Adam and Eve had sinned, it says that their moment, the moment their eyes were open, they ate of the fruit of tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they suddenly felt what? Shame at their nakedness. And so what did they do? They hid from the Lord God among the trees. And Adam replied to God, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was what? Afraid. So we have fear. We've got shame. We've got hiding from God. Because every time I get around church or every time I get around that Christian, I just feel so guilty because I don't feel as good as that person is and I don't feel like I'm holy enough to be in that atmosphere. Man, James gets up and he starts leading and he starts talking about how good God is. And I just feel like, well, I'm not good, so I can't be in God's presence. And so what do I do is I hide. I hide behind my relationships. I hide behind my gifts. I hide behind my money. I hide behind my career. I hide behind my bad decisions. I hide behind all these things in my life. I hide because I feel so much shame and guilt and condemnation in my life. I will never walk into God's presence because I don't want to feel that way any longer. How many followers of Jesus today have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart and little do they know that God doesn't see you the way you think he sees you. He sees you as completely blameless and holy in his sight. See, Paul continues this idea and he, he, he identifies what it is and I've used the word already, the word condemnation. Verse 18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. 
condemnation is to feel judgment, to feel worthy of punishment, to condemn, to be condemned of something, to feel as though I am bad, to feel as though you're being judged by God, feeling reprehensible or feeling evil. This condemnation. You listen, if you're hit, I bet you I could go around the room today and take a poll and you say, Ryan, just between you and I, I feel this condemnation on a regular basis. I feel not good enough on a regular basis. I feel like I can't make the cut on a regular basis. I feel like I've fallen short on a regular basis. And I've got this little narrator in my head who keeps telling me that I just, you just need to do more, Ryan. You just need to give more, act more, live more, give more, do more. You got to do more, 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 Ryan. Keep going, do more. Yeah, you got to spend more time with those things and give more money to this thing. Just to appease this internal sickness that is in every one of us called condemnation. And this condemnation haunts Christians. This condemnation haunts unbelievers. This condemnation comes and it deeps, it deepens itself in the, the very recesses of your, of your inner thinking. And now every decision you make is through I'm not good enough. And every relationship you engage in, you're in a relationship with someone you shouldn't be in a relationship with. And the only reason you're in that relationship is because you don't feel very good about yourself. Because you don't see God, you don't see yourself the way God sees you. And so you're putting yourself in relationships with unhealthy jokers who don't benefit your life at all. Or you're making investments or being in business dealings and you're beginning to live your life through a vantage point or a perspective of how you think God sees you when in reality God doesn't see any of that he sees you as holy he sees you as righteous he sees you as blameless in his sight faultless in his eyes before the foundations of time he ordained that you should be holy Many of us as followers of Christ are living a, a dysfunctional life because we don't understand what our position is in Christ. Let's continue with this verse in verse 18. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Look at this, Romans, Hebrews 2.11. Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. And His sons and daughters, we now belong to His Son, His, his, uh, his same Father. Look at this. So He is not ashamed or embarrassed to induce, introduce us as His brothers and sisters. God is not embarrassed of you. He is not ashamed of you. How many of us think that, like, if God could, like, like, if God were to introduce me, he would be like, oh, this is that guy who just can't seem to break that habit in his life. Oh, gosh, I'm going to deal with him forever. Oh, man, he's got that attitude. He's got that sin. He's got that thing. Oh, I mean, I love him. He's my son and all, but he's the one that, no, oh, my God. You think, we think God's going to introduce us as this, like, like, broken, disgusting loser who can't make it in life. No, Jesus introduces us with joy. He says, hey, dad, check this guy out. This guy right here, he's been bought with my blood. And what do you see, father? I just see my son and daughter. I just see a man of God. I just see a woman of God. I see a great mom and a great dad. I see somebody who can make this life work. I see somebody who's holy in my eyes and righteous in my sight. That's what I see. I don't see any of the other stuff the other people see. I only see this one thing. I see that my son and daughter is holy and blameless in my eyes. He's not ashamed to introduce us. He's not ashamed to introduce us as his sons and daughters. I want to show you an analogy here. Pardon me, this is not a magic trick. Okay. This is a picture 
who we are before we meet Christ. We're born into sin. I don't know if you can see that in there. What's inside there? You see it? You. So here we have you born into this world. This is your life. This is your experience. This is who you are. And when you're born, you're born into sin. You're born into this place. But inside of you is sin as well. So this is your life. This is you. Conquered by sin. Conquered by struggles. Conquered by fear. Conquered by depression. Conquered by the sinful nature inside of us all. Some of us, it's acting out in pre presumptuous sin. Sins you've planned out. Sins you, 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 you had thought through. You're making a, a, a decision, a conscious choice in life to just be in sin. Others, it's just hidden faults. Just pride or attitudes or whatever it might be. This is our life. And when you were born, sin was born in you and you were born into sin and you were covered by sin and you were surrounded by sin. This was your life. And then you came to Love City Church on a Sunday morning because your friend invited you and the pastor said something that really made sense to you. And he said, man, at the end, he's going to ask if I want to accept him. And I just felt like I needed to do that. Or you were sitting in your home and man, the, my next door neighbor kept inviting me over. And man, all of a sudden I felt like, gosh, I needed to give my life to God. I didn't know what to do. So what happened was is that you began to give your life to God and you said this beautiful prayer and gave your life to Jesus. And all of a sudden what happened was is that now Jesus now lives inside of you and this power of sin that is surrounding you it's been destroyed and now what Jesus does is he comes and he takes this sin out of your life and he takes Christ and he puts Christ on the very center of you but many of us today are just like this Jesus is changing us he's renewing us he's making us new Jesus lives in our lives but many of us are not living in Christ you still live like this, Christ in you. But now, this is your life. Christ is in you, but you still have the sin-powerful world around you. And you think that, oh man, this is my life. And even though I'm a Christian, man, I just, I just can't make it. And oh, I just can't seem to get this. And I just can't seem to conquer this sin. And oh man, I just can't seem to get over this hurt. This pastor hurt me. And oh, I went through a terrible divorce. And it was bad. And oh my, God didn't provide for me. And man, why did God take that from me? And why would God do this to me? And yeah, I'm a Christian. And yeah, I'm religious. And yeah, I've got God in my life. He's in me. But man, I just, man, I need to go get some professional counseling. We need to pray for it. Or maybe we need to give it a bath. Or maybe we need to do something to try to get this sin out of my life. I don't know what to do, but I'm just feeling like I just can't seem to break through. See, you've got Jesus in you, but you have not taken your position in Christ. This is the status of North American passive Christians who go to church on Sunday and do the religious things. They have Christ in them but they still have all of this stuff around them that you are stuck. And what God wants to do before the foundations of time, he had ordained that you would be full of something new, that something would transform your life. And by the very foundations of time, he had intended that Jesus would not only live in you, but that you would live in Christ. Right. And now that you live in Christ, Christ is changing the inside of you. Now that you live in Christ, you don't walk around with condemnation and fear and guilt any longer. Now, because you're in Christ, you no longer have to accept the lies of the devil because Christ is around you. Christ is on top of you. 
He's not there now, but I would have written it. Christ is below you. Christ is all around you because now your life is surrounded. You aren't just having Christ in you, the hope of glory. You now understand your position in Christ. Now, when you go to have that dating relationship and that guy comes along and, man, he's not a follower of God and he sure is cute, woo-hoo, but he's not a follower of Jesus, you say, well, I have a position in Christ that sees me as holiest in his sight. I am holy in God. So, therefore, I'm going to make a decision that's based on that position. I am a woman of God. I'm called of God. And I'm going to meet a man of God who's called of God. I'm not going to settle for less than that. You said, I'm going to start that business dealing, and I'm going to go get into that business. Before, when sin was wrapped around you, all you were thinking about was money, 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 money. Now you're thinking about how will this bring glory to the kingdom of God. It changes how you act. It changes how you think. It changes your life. And what we do is we stay in that position. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus died on the cross, how much sin did he pay for? How much? How much? Do you actually believe that? How much sin? All. How much? Every single bit of it. That means if, if Jesus, now listen, if Jesus paid for all my sin and made me holy, holy in the sight of God forever, that's how God sees you. The analogy that I tried to think, I'm just trying to make it simple for us to understand. If you're a parent in the room, you understand this concept. And as a carnal human, you probably understand a little bit more. That, And I'll use my son as an example because it's real right now. I love my son with all my heart. I would die for my son. I would... If I would do anything for my son's success. I, I would take, if, I, if it was about money, I'd get 15 more jobs. If it was about relationship, I would spend all my time with him. If it was about finances, I would bless his socks up. I want to bless my son without a shadow of a doubt. That will never change. Nothing will ever change on how much I love my son. I see him as my son, but as a human, my son will talk back to me or be rude to me or not obey me. And in the future, when he's older, he's going to do some stuff that's going to stab me right in the back. I can just know it. He's going to do some stuff. He's going to make decisions that's going to hurt me. And so I feel the hurt of my son's decision, but my position over him is he is my son. And so no matter how far my son goes, no matter how many mistakes he makes, no matter how deep in sin he may get, my position and how I see him will never change, but his decisions. Just do whatever I want. Oh, no. When you give your life to Jesus and you become holy before God, he sees you as his son and his daughter. But when you and I decide to not yield our life to him, it hurts our dad's heart. How many fathers in the room have seen your children make a, a poor choice and it just, just hurts our heart? God is not void of emotion. He created it. When you and I are in a relationship with God, the expectation isn't that now I have a freedom to just continue to sin and just live my life and I'm going to go do whatever I want because I'm holy in God's sight and I'm pure forever and He will always see me as a pure, righteous, faultless person in His sight because He will. But what are you going to do with the gift that God has given you? Let's look what Mary did. 
This is an amazing scripture that we look at in this verse. In Luke chapter 138, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. In this entire verse, not once did she say, no, not me, I'm not good enough. In this entire verse, not once did she try to talk God out of it. She only said three statements. She said, I'm a virgin. I don't understand how this is going to work, which was a pretty smart statement for a 14-year-old girl. And then she said, God, okay. The way the, the angel said that this is, like, God, he's going to be called holy. I'm going to give you holiness. And when Mary received this holiness, this gift of Jesus, her instant response was, okay, God, I'm going to yield my entire life to you. I'm going to step into that position of being in Christ, knowing that now every decision I make and every, everything I do in my life, everything I do and say, Lord, now that I'm in Christ, now that I'm in this position of Christ, now I will live a life for Jesus Christ. Let's read the scripture here and then we're going to end our time here together. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Therefore, look at this. Because of your faith in Christ, you are holy. He paid for every sin you will ever commit. There is no room for shame, guilt, condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is no room any longer in your life for condemnation, for unhealthy self-talk to allow the narrative in your brain to begin to stir about all the reasons why you aren't that good of a person. To be able to talk yourself out of those moments when God prods you to do something and say, well, I probably can't do that because of this and you know, I said that and I acted like that and oh man, I better get more holy before I'll step into that, that thing that God told me to do. Like, Do not curb your obedience to God because of the condemnation in your life. Choose now, this is my position. Jesus is in me, and I am in Christ. And because of that, I will now live a life that brings glory to God. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just close your eyes for a moment? I want to pray for you today. The reason I ask you to close your eyes is just a way for us to center our minds a little bit, stay focused. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, as we offer some questions to the people in the room, that Father, the Holy Spirit, right now, you would come. And I pray against all fear, condemnation, guilt, shame. If you're in the room today and you just say, Ryan, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, and man, I'm just haunted by condemnation, fear, shame, guilt today. I believe that when we respond just by putting our hand in the air for a few seconds, it's almost like an act of faith. It's like us saying, okay, 
I'm feeling this, and I'm just going to respond with a physical action, and I'm going to believe that there's going to be something changing in my heart and life. Come on, with every eye closed so no one's embarrassed today. If you're here today and say, Ryan, that's me. I've just been dealing with this. I, I, I have not been in Christ, and I need to, I want to step I want to step into that position today and, and start dealing with this condemnation and shame and guilt in my life. Come on, would you just quickly put your hand in the air so I can see you real quick. Got a couple more seconds. Come on, don't be afraid. Just shoot your hand up and put it down. I won't tell anybody. Come on, half the room raised their hand today. Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that there would therefore now be no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I speak to the lies of the devil. I speak to the sinful nature that's in us that we're born into. And today, I silence the voice in our head that tries to disqualify us from being carriers of Jesus. Lord, this is incapacitated people's ability to live for you. And right now, I pray that you would get them unstuck, that you would break this off of their life right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, shatter this off their mind, shatter this off their heart. Today, God, they take that box of sin off around them and they step into the position of in Christ. And today and from this moment forward, they are a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old is gone and the new has come in the mighty name of God. That from this day forward, we will be people who live in Jesus Christ. Come on, if you're here today, come on, there be eye closed. Say, Ryan, I'm here today and I don't know Christ. Or maybe you've once been a Christian or once followed God and you just kind of had a season where you felt like you fell away for a season. And you're here today and you say, Ryan, I just want to recommit my life to the Lord. Come on, there be eye closed in the room. You're here today and you say, Ryan, I just want to give my life to Jesus. Would you place your hand in the air just so I can see you today? I want to pray for you. Come on, anybody here today want to give their lives to the Lord and just recommit their hearts to Jesus today. Come on, Father, we just thank you for today, Lord. Come on, church, would you just respond after me as I pray today? Repeat after me today. Father, thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for me. I admit that I need you. I admit that I'm lost. I admit that I'm broken. I come before you today and I ask you to come into my life. But not only that, Lord, I want to be in you today. I want to live in Christ today. I give my heart to you. I give my mind to you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.